When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. This episode is long overdue, but we are happy to finally, on today's show, be able to break down ITA Fall Nats, the ceremonial final event of every college tennis fall. Of course, this event was played at the Barnes Tennis Center in San Diego. It finished about two weeks ago as of today's recording. The reason it has taken this long for us to discuss it is not because the event wasn't interesting. It's because, as perhaps you can hear in my voice, I've been under the weather. I finally completed my travel schedule for 2023, and upon completion of that schedule, my body said, hey, it's time for us to fail. You've been riding us hard for 10 and a half months. Give us one week of illness to get everything out of the system. Force me to be better bedside force me to be unable to do the thing I love to do most talk tennis on our various crack rackets podcasts of course to have that happen as the Paris Masters was concluding the race to the tour finals com- completing the WTA tour finals playing out the ITA fall nets having just finished I was also in Midland for a really fun 125k event I was bedridden couldn't talk about any of it. With that in mind, that means, of course, we've got a jam-packed week ahead across our various Crack Rackets podcasts. I'm back, the voice competent enough, energetic enough for me to feel comfortable to get back to the recording studio. I'm actually back in Indianapolis, as a matter of fact, to perfectly center my mind, ensure I can focus on doing the thing I want to do most, which is catch up on everything that's happened in the tennis world. By the way, you're going to hear the same rant in our first mini break podcast of the week as well. We got so many things to discuss on our Crack Rackets podcast as they relate to the tennis world here on this show, of course, dare I say, our final fall edition of The Deciding Point, where we break down everything that happens in the college tennis world world. And again, the topic of this show is going to be ITA Fall Nats. We got to talk about our singles and doubles champions, our first sweep of the women's titles since 2001. We had another sweep on the men's side. It's a Texas single sweep as Micah Braswell joins Elliot Spaziri as the uh, second winner of our two major fall events. Of course, we don't just have those headlines, plenty of other things to discuss as well. First national championship for one program 
program. We're certainly going to get into, we're going to break everything from Fall Nats Down here on today's show. And joining me to do just that is the man who has joined me for just about every deciding point over the last six months, a man you're going to hear plenty from over the next six weeks, as by the way, we are getting ready to unveil our Crack Rackets preseason top 10 heading into the 2024 college tennis season. Of course, you all know him as the returning champion of returning champions here on this show, founder of the No Ad, No Problem blog and podcast, a man, of course, we learned cannot drive a go-kart very well. It's our dear friend, John J. Parsons, joining us once again. Jay, thank you for tolerating the opening monologue. Hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. Fall college tennis officially in the books. You sad? You feeling good in this calm between the storm? How are you feeling, my friend, after, dare I say, two weeks of not after having to tolerate my nonsense? Well, it's certainly been a quiet two weeks uh, <laughs> without those episodes with you, but this is an exciting time for college tennis as we gear up for the spring season, which is just around the corner. Certainly even more exciting when we jam pack all of our top 10 episodes coming soon. So it doesn't feel like any quiet time will be happening in the near future. But I will say, let the record reflect, I am your first podcast back <laughs> from this illness. So I don't know if that's because you just want to get out all the cobwebs with me or before you kind of go prime time. But it's good to have you back. I'm excited to talk about Fall Nats. It's a little bit of everything. I know you will be prepared. Again, I could ask you to record at 5 p.m. on a Sunday, and it's not an issue. You're in. So I always appreciate that fact. And, you know, again, I enjoy your company. I think you are the perfect person for us to kick off the many things we have to discuss because there are so many things that have happened in the past two weeks. The announcement of, I'm blanking on his first name, but Finesca announcing that he's headed to Virginia spring of 2025, at least as of now, the most recent junior U.S. Open boys singles champion. And look, there will be more recruiting announcements, certainly, over the next couple of weeks. I think one of the reasons we've delayed the start of our Cracked Rackets preseason top 10 unveiling is we know there are those November surprises. Now, we hate being shocked by them. Now, we've delayed longer than we should have. And again, that's because I got COVID. I got sick. That happens. I really was planning to start last week, I swear. But anyways, all of that said, yeah, things have happened over the last two weeks. And I'm ready to talk college. I got a lot of takes on my mind. This is where I wanted to start. And again, in that opening spirit of the past two weeks, Virginia's a program we both know well. And to hear that announcement, what it means not only for that program, but again, what it says about college tennis, a sport right now with 14, I think, top 100 singles players. It's either 14 or 16. I actually think it's 16 right now, and I got that first number wrong. 38 top 100 doubles players, 7 top 100 women's singles players, 16 top 100 women's doubles players, Jay. Junior Slam champions are planning to take this route in pursuit of their professional dreams. And Finesca even said, like, I'm only going to be there for one semester. But that he said, hey, I'm going to try this for one semester, at least as of now. Talk your reflections through that and then anything else, by the way, you want to throw in from the last two weeks. Yeah, well, it's certainly a testament to the momentum that college tennis has and the recognition that these top juniors in the world 
see in the value of going to college for at least a year. You look at Catherine Huey, who is at Stanford now, just won the girls' U.S. Open title. She went 0-2 in her first collegiate event. So the level is extremely high in college. It also helps that you have players like Ben Shelton, Emma Navarro, who just 18 months ago, you know, Peyton Stearns, Diana Schneider, all within the last two years, now creeping up. You know, Ben and Emma both, you know, within the top 40. So you know, phenomenal success. Uh, the level is certainly there. It's a testament to the understanding these people have now. And look, it's a great thing if you're a college coach, because now if, you know, Catherine Huey and Yao Fonseca are going to go to college, like <laughs> anyone else could consider it as well. So I think it's great to see. It's certainly uh, great for the Virginia Cavaliers to win out in that recruiting battle. So I'm excited for it. I think uh, there's a lot of momentum, which is good to see. It's unbelievable. And it's something we have known for a long time. But again, any coach that needs the statistics at any given moment, just a reminder, collegetennisranks.com. Chris has every player, I like to think, with college tennis ties. He can, You can find them listed in the current rankings on his website and you can get those stats pretty easily. It's easy to count. It's lists of 20. You can subtract from there accordingly. Like The numbers are so readily available. The examples are so readily available. And it, again, you continue to see more and more of them. Now, I do think it is worth noting, just the quick Virginia note. I mean... There is no coach in the country who has it going right now more than Andreas Pedroso. And it's just a reminder. I know I tweeted this out, and there's nothing. This is how you know I'm back. I'm quoting my own tweets, Jay. Virginia had won four or five national championships from 2013 to 2017. And for the decade leading into that coaching transition from Boland to Pedroso, you know, Virginia had been one of the signature teams, signature faces, the national indoor success. They win four straight from 08 to 2011. They had been knocking on the door forever. It felt like that Virginia program, again, 2017 was the peak of it all. That's as good as a program can be clicking on all cylinders. And to ask any program to get back to that high of a mountaintop is just kind of unfair to ask from an expectation standpoint of any coach. And that within six years, Andres is kind of already there, Jay. I mean, obviously, this is a team that has not only won two in a row, but the fashion in which they have done it. You look back at that Florida roster, and I still wonder, how did Florida not win the 2022 national title? It's because Virginia went out, and they beat them on a stormy late night, like sometimes you got to do in college tennis. And to follow that up with the performance where they were just the toughest team in the elements last season, and when they rolled the balls out and said, let's play, Virginia was the team that played best, you bring in a D-trick. You bring in a, uh, say his last name for me one more time. Fonseca. You bring in a Fonseca. It's all rolling for Coach Andreas Pedroso. Like, again, it just, it really, talk about nailing a hire. Yeah, I mean, not much more to say. Absolutely. He's cleaning up both on the court right now and off the court on the recruiting battle there. They lose so much this graduating class, right? We talk about Inyaki, Chris, Jeffrey, Alex Kiefer, those four players all leaving as seniors this year and very easy for them to take a massive step back. But the class that they're bringing in is uh, it's it's pretty stellar. Yeah, it's 
It's going to be a fascinating season, too, because they have to be a preseason number one, probably, just on respect. Like, it's the most disrespectful thing in the world if you don't have them preseason number one, given what they're bringing back. But then you look at some of the other rosters, and just, again, Cannon Kingsley wins another Challenger doubles title this past week, and Anthrop and Tracy make semifinals, Fall Nats with Texas, Waldeeb and P.Y. are in the 25K final this week. Of course, Spaziri wins All-Americans, and oh, by the way, P.Y. Bailey might not even be the best Bailey on the roster, and we haven't talked Braswells yet, and it's just... I have a smile on my face. I am very much looking forward to the start of this season. I could do the same rant for the women's side. And I'm going to be honest, again, I haven't been on the mic in a while, Jay. I got thoughts. I've got things I've been doing. I've been staring at the Georgia women's tennis roster. And I'm just (laughs) like, how is this team not going to be unbelievable? And, like, I, I just keep going back to it because, like, you know, I've made the North Carolina argument for seven years. I've made this. I, I don't, no one has to make a Stanford argument. But now I'm just like, it, it's just crazy. It's crazy. And remember, this is the last year of the COVID super teams. So after this, it does start to perhaps become less normal. And you see that, or go back to normal. And you see that normalcy maybe in where you try to figure out rankings beyond the super teams. Anyways, Jay, I'm really excited to get into our preseason top 10. I'm really excited to start talking 2024 college tennis. My cousin texts me and he goes, hey, we're the preseason podcast. I need things to listen to right now. Like I'm, He's starting to talk himself into teams in 2024. And again, we know what our obligation is. We're ready to rock and roll. With that in mind, let's talk final fall event of 2023. Let's talk fall mats. Let's talk history. Reese Brantmeyer has put herself in a very exclusive group. Obviously becomes the first since Laura Granville of Stanford in 2001 to sweep both titles at the ITA Fall National event. And look, Brandmeier is, dare I, I said this on the broadcast, Jay, and I wanted to bring this up with you. And again, it's two weeks removed, but I think the take's still valid. Is it fair to say Brantmeyer was one of the more highly touted recruits we've seen come play college tennis in the last five years? Because that was how I wanted to frame the star, uh, this run in the sense that it feels like this is a ah, finally moment for Reese Brantmeyer. It's not a surprise. This is a player who, by the end of the year, was playing number one singles on the team that won the national championship last season. But, you know, she didn't have a good... I, what, she lost to Vidmanova, right? First round, three sets, or Riasco, 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 right? Yep. I did that last time, too. I'm, like, so certain of it. Um, but I beat you to correcting me, so shout out to me. I'm back. Yeah, you yeah. did. Um, I also... I'm going to laugh at times in this podcast, and it's because I have, I don't know how else to describe it, post-COVID pink eye. And so to not make Jay suffer through looking at that, I'm wearing these sunglasses that I call my Morpheus sunglasses. And there are times when I catch a, a glimpse of myself in the Zoom. And it's a lot. It's a good look. Jay, do you approve? If I show up like this to National Indoors, does Crack Racket's contract get voided? I think I think uh, I will have to go in as Alex Gruskin because you'll get turned in at the door. Turned away at the door. I'm sorry, that's not who we see on the credential. You're gonna have to go. Um. Anyways, this is a moment that I think was long expected for Reese Brammer, who won her first pro singles title over the summer. And what makes this particularly impressive is not just that she won this title; it's that she dropped just one set on her way to the singles title in particular. And 
you know, obviously to come back in the fashion that she did against Ayanna Ackley in what was a marathon two-and-a-half-hour singles final. The week belongs to Reese Brantmeyer. By the way, it was a week North Carolina didn't need because you know what they are going into next season. But what in what was otherwise a forgettable fall, now it's like, well, we can't forget it because she swept both titles, and it's indicative of, again, the broader Carolina run. Thoughts on what Brantmeyer accomplished at Fall Nats, Jay? Well, you mentioned it was historic. And I think what was most interesting about this and what muted some of that anticipation of Reese Brantmeyer's arrival in college was that she was ineligible last fall. And I spoke with her about that on last week. And she talked about how frustrating that was in her experience of having to sit out and was planning on coming to college for one year. And given that she had that abbreviated experience, only played the spring a fantastic spring it was 22 and four in singles, but wanted to have that full year under her belt. And so that's what you see here in fall Nats and kind of living up to that expectation. So it was a great event for her. She's someone that is very familiar with the Barnes tennis center has played there every year, you know, won the 16s hard court title back in 2019 played 18s the last three years. So feels at home there. It's an event that North Carolina has done extremely well at. They've won now four of the last five singles titles there. So it was a home home event for her, and uh, and she performed accordingly. It's yeah. I mean, again, it's just the pro the pro readiness of her game or the weapons that she possesses. I just also wonder, and I know this isn't a thing, but if you were an outside observer, say someone in Europe unfamiliar with college tennis more broadly as a tennis fan, and you saw this match. Wouldn't you look at Reese Brantmeyer and say, oh, that's someone who has top 200 weapons. That's someone who, with her kick serve, with her first forehand, the way she moves forward, her aggression, her ability to dictate, you know, that's ultimately what separates the the great from just the very good at the highest levels of the pro game. And, you know, again, I like that she mixes in the backhand slice a little bit more. I liked how physical that third set got between her and Ackley, two players who were just, I mean, Ayanna Ackley is... So I guess this transitions to take number two from the singles. Ayanna Ackley is the biggest winner of the fall. Like, I know Brantmeyer wins the title. And again, apologies for moving on so quickly. I think I just made the point that she has top 200 weapons. That speaks to what I think of Reese Brantmeyer's game at a minimum. But Ayanna Ackley, who was low-key this excellent last year, it just was for a forgettable, I say that with love, forgettable South Carolina team, it's like watching her, the way she battled all week long, watching Sarah Hamner get to another quarterfinal. It better damn not be another forgettable year for South Carolina because you have two of the 10 best players in college tennis right now. Yeah, we spoke about Ayanna Ackley in the last spring for South Carolina was really interesting because you had Sarah Hamner, who as a freshman won the All-American title in the fall of 2021. Her sophomore season was kind of, marred with these injuries and then you had Ian Ackley come in as a transfer and she ascends the top spot and she goes and I believe makes the quarterfinals of NCAAs last year and she was playing at this level and she makes the semifinals of All-Americans they both do yeah they are both and it's great to see Sarah Hamner back as well so the two of them certainly two of the best 10 players South Carolina has brought in a few other pieces. They have a transfer from Old Dominion, but it, 
the depth will be the question, right? But with those two at the top of the lineup, you feel good about those two against any other top two in the country. But it's been great to see Anna Ackley continue her run this fall. I thought she played fantastic and she makes the semifinals of an 80K in between. Like she big fall winner for sure. Moving so well and the ball just jumps off her strings. Like there's a there's a top spin in every ground strokes that she hits that others just can't match. And I love the contrast in that with a Sarah Hamner who just uses her speed, beats you to the spot. It, I always say it's very Fiona Crawley-esque, like just the way they attack you, the way they try to get you inside the baseline. Very fun top two. And I mean, again, if that's your top two, it sucks because you're in a conference with an A&M and a Georgia that can not only probably match you at that top two, but then say, look at our three through six as well. But there's just, if that's your founding blocks, it's a team that should be in competition for a top 16 seed. I just think fundamentally. And so you got to watch them given the fall they had. And again, Ackley and to some extent Hamner, who again, quarterfinalist at this event, knocked out uh, in straight sets by Reese Brantmeyer, uh, two of the headlines, I would say, of the fall more broadly. What else did you learn from the singles, Jay? What else stood out to you? Well, I think two players that caught our eye in their regional runs were Emma Charney, who won the Southwest region, as well as Hannah Villar-Muller of Cal, who won the Northwest region. Both of them continue their form into the quarterfinals. So it was great to see them cement those runs. Both teams will need those players moving up in the lineup. Emma Charney uh, beating Petra Sedlakova of Alabama in the first round, then knocking out Riley Tran of North Carolina in the round of 16 uh, and then beating Celia Belmore of Vanderbilt to make the semifinals. And then you had Villar Muller in a really fun section there, beat out Sasnaskaya of Texas, and then beat out Hibis Shake of Virginia before dropping her match to Obi Kajuru. So those were two players that uh, really made a name for themselves in the regional competition by winning those regions. And I feel like really cemented it uh, at this event as well. Charney's quick. She fights like again. She's not afraid to throw that ball ten feet above the bay, uh, above the net, and make you grind and make you work for it. But she'll step in as well. She'll lull you to sleep, and you know, again, she just didn't have the weapons that Ackley did in those semifinals. But I'm blanking on who the two recruits that are coming in in January are for SCJ. But I'm pretty sure there are two of them, correct? And yeah, there are two non-Americans coming in who decent, like decent. Uh, WTNs, got to stay on brand now. Decent WTNs, right? Expected to contribute right away. So you throw in two more pieces with, again, a Charney who looks like she can play top two. And Aaron Cayetano, who has been ranked number one in the country. Snow Han's back. Naomi Chung is back. You know, Grace Piper and Sloan Moore, all these players are back for this USC team. Should we be thinking about them fringe top 10? Should we be thinking about them in a top 16 hunt? Certainly, right? Yeah, well, they're not going to be in our top 10. Uh, We learned our lesson last year, and so they need to prove it this year. But they have a lot of pieces. and yes. Yeah, and they lose Maddie Sieg, yes, but they've got a lot of pieces. And you feel like they should be able to field a really deep four through six. So... I think top 16, absolutely. I mean, we're talking about USC here. So, uh, yes, that is uh, that should be what they're looking to do. And uh, Emma Charney's sophomore surge here makes that much more realistic. Yeah, I just – the second best team in the Pac-12 right now on paper, right? That's not a stretch. Like Stanford won, and then you have to go to them, right? 
Probably. I, I mean, mean, yeah. I mean, UCLA, maybe. I think. Are we doing it already? November 12th? <laughs> <No. 12? laughs> yeah, these, this is the off mic where we fi- figure out who's supposed to be top 10. But yeah, I mean, to, I would say at, le- at least tied for two. I feel like we do a USC UCLA segment. Like we do five minutes. I want to do two minutes on that every week on the deciding point. We'll do <laughs> two minutes on the Ohio State men's tennis lineup, what it should look like every week. These are topics I'm like getting ready to be my bits for the year. And yeah, I just, I'm so fascinated. They're another team I keep coming back to. I'm like, huh, what's their season going to look like? What's the ceiling for this team? Because in theory, I don't hate the ceiling for the USC Trojans going into this year. Anyways, yeah, I agree. Charney was absolutely uh, one of the biggest takeaways. On the other side, I mean, for Obi Kajuru, for Anastasia Komar, I think we both had Oklahoma State as one of our locks to be in the top 10. Where in that top 10 still an open question. But to watch Obi have the fall that she does, this was something I posed. If you did calendar 2023 year, Obi's the breakout star of college tennis, right? Of this calendar year? Ooh, that's a good question. I've had two weeks to stew on these. <laughs> well, who's had a better, I mean, like, breakout nine month run, 10 month run? Well, I mean, Reese Brantmeyer, because she, that, that's, like, this is her first. But it gets back to she's one of the most highly touted recruits ever, like, not yeah. ever, but in of the last five years with the resume she had accomplished. Yeah, I, I mean, Kajuru is a great pick. Peyton being as good as – I mean, it hasn't been this year though. Um, so good good brain, Alex. Um, yeah, I, I, I think she has to be – like I didn't – It's I mean, Yarlagata maybe if you include last fall as well. But like not really. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think it – anyways. I'm, uh, well, I think it's – I do. I think Kajuru is a great pick. I remember – Semi-finalist, I, by the way, at this event, which is why I bring semi-finalist. her up. Semi-finalist. in doubles as well alongside Anastasia Komar. Yeah, but I remember uh, like coming away from indoors in February being like, wow, Kajuru yeah. is tough and they have her at two. So, yeah, I think she's probably the pick. Well, it's funny because Nakla was the more credentialed player last year and it made sense at her at one. But you're so right. You could just watch again as Iowa State worked their way. You're just like, well, they need Obi at two. It's one of their musts and she keeps doing it. So something about this is real. And, you know, again, watching her battle Alana Smith in that quarterfinal match was one of the highlights of that quarterfinal match. And so, um, again, she's one of the breakout stars. She, Charney, your semifinalist. And then, of course, quarterfinalist Bel- uh, Celia Belmore, uh, who said I could call her CB. That was one of the big victories for me of the event. Yarlagata, Villermoller, good run for the Cals. Uh, senior, excuse me, and Sarah Hamner. Consolation winner. Got to give a shout out to Connie Ma after a weird first round exit. I mean, again, no disrespect to a girl I consider one of my little sisters in Julia Fliegner, but by Connie Ma's standard, again, had been, talk about the opposite of an Obi Kajuru nine-month run in 2023. And this is a nice way for her to end it just to get things back on track. Yeah, definitely. And she played a familiar foe in yeah. Jessica Alsola of Cal, who always feel like makes these deep runs in Constellation. She made a deep run at All-Americans last year as well. So, yeah, it was good for Connie to back up what was a, a strange first round loss. Power rank these three in year end rankings right now. Ma, Alsola, Fongrantian. Well, Tian has not played a single collegiate match, so know, what are we fine. basing that off of? She's coming back in January, I'm saying. Yeah. Year-end rankings. Uh, Tian 
Ma Osola. All right. Interesting. That's where Jay is. And yeah, again, shout out, by the way, to Isha Valaga of Penn. Constellation Semis. That is a good run for, again, a Penn team you just don't hear too much from. That's everything from the singles, double side of things. I mean, death, taxes, Carolina wins at doubles. Not particularly shocking this time. It's the Brantmeyer Scotty iteration of Tar Heels, the top seeds taking the title. Got to feel particularly sweet given they lost in the NCAA doubles final last May. Again, Komar Kajuru, you put two really good players on a doubles court. I don't care how early it is. They're going to find success. They beat Chen and Brodus in a uh, 10-4 third set semifinal match. Shout out to them. Shout out to Guzman Shisherbina, the All-American champs making the semis. That's just a real doubles team. And for an Oklahoma squad that's wondering, again, what do we do now that the Cordleys are gone? They were just always the number you know number one team for the past two years good to know okay we have our one now we got to find two more takeaways from the doubles jay i know i stole a lot of headlines there well for a singles draw that felt surprisingly chaotic at the early stages where you had number one seed alexa noel go out the doubles felt extremely chalk i mean all four of these semifinalists have proven already this fall that they are very good teams and so they that continuity between what we saw at all americans and other events i felt like felt felt right uh you know shout out to elizabeth scotty who is you know proving herself to be one of the best women's doubles players we've had in recent memory this is her third national title she's won i'm 20, so happy you said that sorry to keep going sorry but carry on She's won three different national titles, one NCAAs, two fall nats, all with different partners. It's not something you see often. You might see two people make consistent runs together. So, yeah, I I haven't looked back at this to see how many other women have that many national titles with different partners, but she's up there, right? Yeah, no, 100%. And look, I... I like to think I've said this on other pods. I think I have. I think I've said it to Coach Kalbis, but maybe not to Scotty, whom I've obviously, four years. I, I've All four national indoors. I was there, folks. Got to call them all. What a blast. Um, you know, to my dying day, I'll never know how Scotty and McKenna won the NCAA doubles title. Obviously, McKenna's sensational at doubles now, top 125 in the world. Scotty's done when she does doubles resume. They were horrible, horrible. I didn't understand it. I was like, how is no one beating this team? Um, it's just not like traditional doubles at all. It's just so funky. And, you know, again, even watching Scotty and, and Reese have success last year, I was like, you know, again, there are times when Scotty just does things on a doubles court. And you're like, huh, okay. Like, I guess that worked. And now you watch her close and just like the aggression from the baseline and just talk about someone who knows exactly what she wants to do. And like, it shouldn't have taken this long, but I was watching Scotty and Reese play. I was like, all right, like Scotty's really good at doubles now. And the resume speaks to that progression. And even if the resume sometimes might have been ahead of where the level was, it's not anymore. Like Scotty is that good at doubles now and watching her and Reese play was really really fun yeah you can tell they have fun with it and I think Scotty now as a fifth year is probably much more confident in a lot of those decisions that she's making on the court but three national titles two national runner-ups can't argue the resume yeah it was a little backhanded I apologize there but what again what I'm saying is now you watch you're like no like that's the best team and 
you know, again, I'd still love to watch Chen and Brodus play them. I'd still like to watch Chen and Brodus play anyone. And the thing I was most disappointed about, we were going to interview them after the quarterfinals. I wasn't there for it. I was at Midland. I still haven't gotten, like, the good interview with Savannah Brodus where I can say to her, hey, I just want you to know on every podcast, I say you could walk into the top 50 of the doubles rankings. And I feel like we should have a conversation if I'm going to keep saying that about you. And so I'm sorry I missed that interview. We're going to have that. It'll happen at some point this season. It's one of my the things on the list of things to do. But they're really fun to watch. Talk about continuity, Jay. And you mentioned it, the level, semifinals on in particular, really, really high in the doubles National quarterfinal for Northwesterns, Hand and Leong. Haven't said those words uh, together in some time, so shout out to them. I noticed that. And then how about Collard and Shu, Constellation finalists, knocked out by Trans and, uh, Tran and Forbes in that Constellation final. Uh, I think that is a remind. You know, again, you lose in opening round match, whatever, but they are a very good doubles team. Melody Collard and anyone is a very good doubles team, but Annabelle Shu is a perfect partner. Yeah, she uh, Annabelle Shu, the sophomore now, has slid right into where Julia Adams was last last season. We've talked about Melody Collards being some of the best hands in college tennis, but shout out also to the Temple team of Ushamara and Nanere uh, making the national quarterfinal. Ushamara has had a lot of good double success with different partners, so it's a good result for them. I got two great questions for you off of this, and then we'll transition to them. This will be how we do it. Better resume. On the spot, I, you haven't done research. Better resume, Cash or Scotty? It's the question. I think it's equal. Those are like those are the gods right now of the doubles, right? It's like that's your Mount Rushmore. It's two heads. I think you have to go Scotty because Cash doesn't have the NCAA nope. title. Oh, uh, oh, and I forgot that Scott. I was thinking she lost in the final last year that she won with McKenna. It's a great point. That's the difference. I mean, again, final with Votzel. They almost triple crowned a match away. That in itself, ridiculous. And then he and Tracy go win it again. Him and McNally have been in finals. There's a lot of comps there. It's fair enough. I guess for now, slight edge. I think he does have more titles, but Mm -hmm. you got to give a little weight to the NCAA title. Who would you rather have on your team, Cash or Melody Collard? I also thought that would be a fun one. I don't know, because it's like interesting where it's like they're both in your doubles lineup. They're playing one on the very best teams. Yeah, they can absolutely play five, six, but maybe you'd want a different option as well. I mean, you have to go cash right now, but just given the track record and also that we've seen him slot into number six and go undefeated indoors. So, you know, you have an ace up your sleeve in the indoor season. The comparison wasn't needed, but I think it's a good comp, right? Like those are equal players, right? Like I think that's a good cross sport comp. As it but stands I've, right now, yeah. I've been in my room isolating, Jay. No human content. I, like this is what I've been doing. It's thinking I literally have a list of things like this, and this was yeah. on it. Yeah, I, the Cash Scotty one I, I like a lot, and I think that twenty twenty four. I mean, who does Cash play with? It's going to be a big question a because, I mean. That's got to be like winning the team title is certainly the number one goal. But I mean, come on, you got to help cash come away with that NCAA title. It's, he should get to pick. He should get to say, this is what I want to be in. Be in hundred. He can go, you know what? I'll play with whoever in the regular. Se- oh, but the promise falls too late. But he's like, I want Andrew serve. Like if I have his serve, we're not getting broken. Um, And or just, yeah, I mean, that's hilarious. He should get his pick. I like that. Well, um, and he's he's. Made some deep runs with J.J. Tracy. He also partnered with. All I'm saying is here's a great social media bit. 
have every Ohio State player pitch themselves as a doubles partner to Robert Cash and put it on social media. Because if you're a college tennis fan, that's hilarious. Like, hey, Robert, here's my – do it in the Bachelor theme. You know, what's the – they have the Bachelor for the old people, right? I forget what Golden it's called. Golden Bachelor. Golden Bachelor. Thank you. Do that, but for Robert Cash's doubles partnership, here's my case for why I should get to play with you. Um, I would die. Like, that's I'm very in. funny. Should we do that? Is that something I should spend the month of December of 15? Uh, like, a, I, can I do impressions of everyone? That's the question. Um, well, we're, <laughs> I'm just thinking about how much trouble I might get in. Um, worth it. Speaking of Buckeyes, let's talk about the men's side of the event because we did have two Buckeyes reach the semifinals in singles. Ultimately, no Buckeyes, though, in the singles final, which is where I want to start. It's the battle of the state of Texas, and in the end, it goes to the University of Texas's Micah Braswell, the senior, proving what we've all seen with our eyes, if you've tuned in all fall long, he's healthy. He's back to playing some of his best tennis, maybe his absolute best, Braswell, winning the title, uh, ultimately again knocking out Jack Pennington Jones in the final. Most notably, I believe Micah Braswell didn't drop a set, right, on his way to the title at this event. Again, considering you know going into the season, Spiz is playing one. He's earned that right. He's been that good in that spot for the past year plus, and... That, you know, again, the foundation is, all right, well, where are we going to go with two? Do we go with the ITA Fall Nats champion? Do we go with the guy who's made a couple of junior slams? Do we go with the guy who's been two over the past year and P.Y. Bailey? What do you do if you're Texas? It's the best sort of question to ask. Braswell's looked really good, Jay. He's looked like a guy who should be playing no lower than two in a lineup. Yeah, I think he's only lost one match this fall. That was to Chris Rodesh. He's been looking like the healthy Braswell we have wanted to see. He's been playing fantastic tennis. He steamrolled through this draw, not dropping a set. So uh, it nothing more to add there. Played some fantastic tennis. I have two trivia questions, though, for you here. The first one you have a- addressed. This is the second time Texas has swept the two fall national events, all Americans and fall nationals here. My, so that was the first trivia question. Here's the second one. Do you want, how, it, what was the question in it? Who's done it first? Who did it in 19? Is that the question? Well, it would have been how many times has Texas done it? The answer is two. We've already okay. addressed it. Okay. Second one. How many times has a school swept the two fall national events in singles, okay. Okay. but with different people? That's, I knew you were going to trip me up there. All right. How many times or when did it ha- or who did it? How many times? I'm going to guess t- two other times. I'm going to guess 98 Stanford. And then I'm going to guess like Jameer and Mitchell Frank did it or something like that. Or Jameer and Alex. Okay. So that is one. That's correct. Was Alex Domazon. Jameer yes! Zanker, 2012, Still Virginia. Let's go. Sorry. I'm very excited. Um, so is there is- another example? There are two other examples historically. So this Should is the I fourth know them? time this or has no. happened. I don't think so, but okay. they are names we will know. Okay. So prior to Virginia doing it in 2012, the time before that was 2001 Stanford, and that okay. was KJ Hippenstall and Alex Kim. Sure. So that was on the tail end of that 1998 squad. And then the first team to do it, and again, this is all on the men's side, was USC's Scott Melville and Luke yeah. Jensen in yep. 1987. You're right. 
names we all should recognize as college tennis fans speaks to how rare it is and, again, speaks to the fact that it would be too disrespectful to Virginia to put a Texas team that has the ITA All-American champ, the ITA National Fall champion, GA, PY, two Braswells, a Waldeeb, and a Harper. You can't put them at number one. Like... Because of all things Virginia, right? Like, that is the argument of the preseason. Or do you? Do you project outward? Do you make that leap? Has Texas shown you enough, Jay? I'm not asking for your answer now because we're going <laughs> to unveil it later. But isn't that the question? I, I don't really think it's that hard of a question. I have my answer. And, and we'll have to wait and see if people agree. Okay. I like to hear that. Well, again... More than anything, it's how well Mike is hitting the ball and his ability to just, if you get it waist high, he's going to bunt down on it. He's going to drive through the court and the way he was just driving through a Jack Pennington Jones, who, by the way, has talked about how he rolled his ankle, wasn't 100% healthy through this event, and yet finally puts together the sort of run he was looking for. And again, I've been out with COVID, so I I, I don't know. The reason I keep reiterating that, we did an interview after he won his quarterfinal match. Might be the best interview we've done with any player ever live on a stream because he talked about how he felt so much more comfortable in year two versus year one, how missing last fall, the fact that he had to find practices and do all these little different things that just were not comfortable, how that did throw off the rhythm of his season and how now he does come back with a purpose, how focused that TCU group is. Talked me into everything, made me realize I've got two and a half years left because he's going to come take my job in the broadcast booth, Jay. Talk about, again, unlike Brantmeyer, he didn't get the title, but it's a very similar thing where it felt like it was a when, not if sort of situation for JPJ. Certainly similar in the the pedigree and the excitement of, oh, this is a recruit. He had a a worse first year than Reese did. Absolutely. Uh, He lost a lot more matches, but he has slowly and steadily gotten that form back. I don't know if his top end is where Reese's top end is now, right? Relative to the rest of the game, but it is good to see him back and playing at this level. And it's good if you're a TCU fan, because they will certainly need him uh, close to the top of that lineup. That's true. No Spiz, no Montez, no Rodesh, no others as well. And, you know, again, top seed Murphy Casson knocked out in round number one of this event by Tyler Zink. Um, Shout out to you, though, <laughs> because you said on some pod that we did, hey, if Tyler Zink goes on a run at Fall Nationals, you heard it here first. <laughs> it, it wasn't quite the run I think you had in mind. Like maybe we didn't make the semifinals, but did get the, the first round upset. Every so often, blind squirrel, acorn. You all know the theory. Yeah, I, again, I was really impressed by JPJ, the physicality he can play with, comfort level moving forward, his willingness to kind of listen to adjustments that Devin Bowen was offering him throughout the course of a match. Um, I'm all in on a big year two from JPJ. And again, we know who the top three are on the men's side. Who's four? Who's five? Who's anything beyond that? It's a wide open question. Feels like TCU is one of the more knowns in what is, again, a more broadly unknown field. Again, it's a top three, and we've talked about Virginia. We've talked about Texas. 
We can talk Buckeyes now as well. This time it's two different Buckeyes. Jack Anthrop, the redshirt sophomore. J.J. Tracy, the senior. That's weird to say out loud. They each make semifinals. Tracy, a really fun win over Cornell's Redu Popaway, who is the breakout star of the event, no doubt. And after he won three pro circuit events over the summer, here's your reminder, college tennis fans, how that translates uh, across levels. Um, Tracy, a semifinalist. Anthrop, semifinalist. Jay, I'm telling you, we're doing at least three minutes on every men's show. What should the Ohio State lineup look like? Because I can make a pitch for every possible permutation, and it makes sense. Even the permu- even the most likely permutation that will have Nakashima at four and Anthrop <laughs> and Bernard at five and six? Yeah, if it's indoors, talk, <laughs> talk me into it. Yeah, look, there's a lot of talent here. Death taxes, UNC, and Ohio State doing phenomenally well at these fall tournaments and without even their their some of their top players without Cannon Kingsley without Justin Boulay who played one and two for the Buckeyes in this spring so they got a lot of pieces again a lot of double success so we'll have to see what the lineup looks like isn't there a legitimate grounds to not play Bernie indoors like if you wanted because again Kingsley Boulay Anthrop Tracy cash indoors he hasn't lost indoors in forever the weapons of nakashima like you could do it if you wanted to at the same time if he doesn't play indoors and bernie works his way up to i'm gonna say two behind cannon in the outdoor lineup i believe it like i got no problem with it i saw what happened when he made quarterfinals of ncas and how good he was in orlando last year like we're doing two minutes on it every show jay how much are you getting paid by Ty Tucker to spread this propaganda? But so it's that he not has propaganda. Covered. It's not covered. Like, what is the protest? What? Like, okay, sure, Nakashima at one protest. But short of that, like, I can make what Boulay did. You know, Boulay played one for them at NCAs last year, and like again, Bernie and Anthrop were the two best players I saw in Orlando. And look at what they've done this fall. And Tracy, again, again, Cannon in the pros. I'm just saying, like, it's really fun. It's fun Rubik's Cube. <laughs> I mean, Justin Boulay also just won an ATP Challenger this past weekend, as did Cannon. Justin also won a yeah. 25K. Cannon and Justin Boulay have done things on the pro tour that none of these other guys have. Anthrop won pro doubles titles this year, this summer. And, like... Anyways, I'm yeah, just, we're ta- like, yeah. Uh, there's a big difference between a 15K and a challenger title. Yeah, uh, but yeah, sure. those are your two top players right now until anything else is, is shown differently. Here's what I'm saying. If outdoors will, like, Tracy is five, are you going to protest that? It behind Bernie and Anthrop and Cannon and Justin. You can't protest that. Like, yeah. it's. It's fine, which is – what are we saying? Like, this is a guy who was the most – MVP, most valuable point conversation 18 months ago, Jay, at a national indoors where he played four. And now he's a senior. And they're number maybe three in your preseason poll. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, oh, there, I, so to excited. me, there's just, the, just these two tiers, like, yeah. that you could play in – Maybe either order. I think you have Cannon Boulay, and then you have Anthrop, Bernard, and JJ Tracy. See, again, I disagree. And okay. I think, and well, that's we'll not a slight, see. it's not a slight of Cannon or Justin. It's how 
like I watch Jack what? Anthrop with his serve and his forehand, and I just look at those two weapons, and I think on the right day, those might be the two biggest weapons in the Ohio State lineup. And again, I just watched Bernie Bernie outside last year, and that's burned into my brain of how good he was in the month of May, and like in Orlando in particular. And I, I guess I don't know. What was, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. It's no, like I, they're young. They could keep getting better. Yeah, we'll have to see. I feel like we see this song and dance a lot. Some of these wins here at Fall Nats do not make a number two uh, at for a national championship winning team. We'll see. Uh, but I do think they can certainly continue to get better. They're still young, uh, and we will see what they look like come May. Yeah, again, I just... It's a fun topic. As you can tell, this is the things that have been ruminating in my brain as I've been sitting in isolation over these past couple of days, a week, I should say. All right. Other men's singles takeaways. I know we got into the big things there. Your other quarterfinal is worth noting. How about Pedro Vivez? He just feels back. He and Jack Pennington Jones talked about how confident Pedro is right now, how well he's playing in practice. He's a quarterfinalist. Your other three, again, pop away of Cornell. Tudorica of USF, Pablo Maswan, UCSB in the consolation, your winner. How about Mississippi State's Peter Yovanovic uh, knocks out Leo Rakin. I'm blanking on where Rakin went to school. I apologize. Uh, in the consolation Memphis. final. Colton Smith, notable win over Quinn Van de Castile in the consolation quarters. You could tell how frustrated Van de Castile was after that match. That was something I noticed. Just an offhand observation, Jay. What am I missing? What did you see? I think that's it. I mean, we talked about Murphy Cassone losing and then withdrawing. Uh, uh, probably a disappointing event for Michael Zhang. Loses in the first round to Gavin Young uh, and then loses to Jovanovic of Mississippi State. But other than that, I mean, Colton Smith continues to have a fantastic fall as well, uh, making the, the finals there. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, it's just, again... Um... For I'm sorry, uh, oh, Leo Rockin from uh, MTSU, Middle Thanks. Tennessee, not Memphis. I appreciate it. Um, look, for, for Mississippi State team, you could talk me into saying they're top 10, one of the favorites in the SEC. Good result for Yovanovich. Good win for Miyoshi. Colton Smith continues to win matches again. And, and you know, again, as we transition to the doubles here, Arizona, I think, got the consolation finalists in Friend and Smith as well in the doubles. Um, but... Yeah, I I think singles-wise, again, I, th- I think we hit everything so we can move on to doubles now and talk about the culminating moment, the perfect feather in the cap of what has been a breakout six-month run. Michigan State, first national championship in program history, courtesy of Ozan Barris, the sophomore, Max Sheldon, the junior, the top 10 preseason pairing, partnering to win the doubles title at this event. And obviously... For Ozan Barris, who alongside Nishesh Basavaretti, they won the Junior U.S. Open title last year, uh, in 2022, excuse me. That pedigree was there, but talk about delivering for your program, delivering for the head coach, a team that has built on, you know, has some expectations now, bringing in a Ronnie Homan, bringing in a Thanos, bringing in others in what is a wide-open post-Ohio State Big Ten landscape. You get a result like this, again, Really good run for uh, the Spartans here. Really big moment for Harry Jane Knight. Sent him this message personally, obviously, but 
couldn't deserve it more, what he's fought for to, again, give his program the resources to fight at the highest level. That's what every coach, the fight every coach is fighting. And again, for Coach Jaden to have that fight pay dividends so quickly, big win for Harry, very much deserved, probably big for the Michigan State men's program moving forward. And now they get to hang some hardware, and now they get to go be honored at the Breslin Center. And again, flowers to Harry. Well-deserved, right? Yeah, it's a storybook ending for this fall where Michigan State has really been the story. Harry Jaden was recently on the Payers and Players podcast, and he talked about when he has these conversations with recruits over the last year, two years, it's been selling the vision. And this fall, and this was before uh, Ozan Barris and Max Sheldon earned this national title, but still waiting to kind of have that clear recognition that we've already started to arrive. And this certainly does that. So this is, will certainly help coach Jaden in his recruiting conversations to point to the national success that they've had this fall and the national title. It was interesting to see this doubles draw in particular juxtaposed to the women's, which I felt like was full of names and teams that we have seen over the past few years, a lot of new faces breakthrough and certainly a fitting that you saw one of the new programs breakthrough in Michigan State. Yeah, and certainly, again, it was a Michigan State Old Dominion final, not what we would have had on paper. The Van Skulkwick twins, or twins brothers, I apologize, um, they reached the final third Old Dominion pairing to do so, obviously. Shout out to Isaac Vandermerva, current Baylor associate head coach, who made a couple of finals back in his day. Uh, they knock out a very good team in Vivez and Gorsny. And, you know, again, it's fascinating because you probably keep Vivez Gorsny together. They played together last year, had a ton of success. Do you move them up to one? What do you do with Jake Fernley as a loose cannon cop, just looking for a doubles partner in the post-Luke Fumba era? Certainly know he's capable of playing top 10 doubles. Still, for Vivez Gorsny to beat Cash and Tracy in straight sets, it's a notable win, certainly. And again, still, it's funny that a quarterfinal for Cash and Tracy, you're like, ah, disappointing. Um, no, they're still an exceptional team. All-American champions did just fine at this event. TCU, Max Dead Chan, other quarterfinalists. Good. TCU got two quarterfinalists in singles and doubles, Jay. It's a good tournament for the Horned Frogs. Yeah, I, and people talk about Sebastian Gorsny as being one of the in this echelon of of great doubles players, certainly. But Louis, Ma Louis Max said for TCU under the radar, just always has had extremely strong results. Partners there with Duncan Chan, new partner this year. So shout out to them for making the quarters. And if, and if that's a pairing again now, Fernley, do you throw him with JPJ and you just bring it up at the number three spot? You could do it by ranking, and that's a lot of talent at three. You know what? Coach Bowen, Coach Roditi, that one's free. You can keep that lineup <laughs> suggestion. You're welcome. Um, and I'm sure they already have that permutation on the board somewhere. Uh, Consolation-wise, Heck Ozalan's top seed knockdown round one. They bounce back. They win the consolation. I'm buying stock in this year's Illinois team. They've just all been around for a while. And again, Gazowskis, uh, Gazowskis, excuse me, Ozalan's Heck. Mishioki, uh, Miyoshi, excuse me, who was a consolation semifinalist. Akonkwo's obviously played around the block. When Alex Petrov is healthy, the lefty can play a really high level and can be up in a lineup. This is a top 16 team. They should be a top 16 team come the end of the year. Well, buy low, sell high. So now would be the time to invest. Yeah, I'm, this is me doing it. I'm, I'm, you know what? Oh, 
Who finishes second in the Big Ten? I'm not answering that question yet. That feels like something we'll do on our final preseason pod. I have this plan, Jay, where we're going to do preseason awards and preseason conference picks this year, and that's how we're going to spice things up is we'll do a separate show where we go through all of those things and then maybe clean up what we do in some of our preseason pods. Anyways, that's a post-mic discussion. This is our recap of the ITA Fall Nets. Did I miss anything, Jay? Any other singles, doubles, men's, women's takeaways we didn't discuss here on today's show? I think we covered it. I think we got to everything as well again. And this event is our final fall event of what is our final regular schedule, I should say. Our regular is the wrong word because a lot of these events will be coming back, albeit in slightly different forms or with slightly different titles. But again... I guess this is the Not final. Not this event. Yeah, this is the final former formal ITA Fall Nats, Jay, and I thought it delivered pretty well. Yeah, I, I thought it had a good mix of chaos and then normalcy. You know, I feel like the winners that we got made sense. There were a lot of upsets along the way, which is to be expected at this time of the year. And, but overall, I thought we got uh, a good event. There we say, is that foreshadowing for the 2024 team season? We will find out. With all that said, though, that's our ITA Fall Nats recap. Of course, a thank you to John J. Parsons, who, as he subtly alluded to earlier in the show, had Reese Brandmeier on the No Ad No Problem podcast to discuss her recent run. You can go hear that wherever you listen to your podcast. Anything else you need to plug, Jay? Who knows what I'm going to be able to do with all of this preseason content yeah. you've got <laughs> locked and loaded. So we'll see. But no, I, I'm uh, continuing to do that. I think you'll continue to see conversations drop over these next few weeks as we prepare for 2024. I got two words, Jay. I'm available for whatever you need me for. <laughs> um, we're going to have me, you, Ethan. It's going to happen. Maybe is that what we bring him in for, the prediction show? I feel like that's right. Like He would just love to come drop some bombs on us with takes for awards. And, you know, again, we'll have to ban him from picking any Virginia players. Sons the national championship. That'll be the one rule because I don't need the, well, here's why actually Eduardo Graziani is going to be the four, and you just haven't seen it yet. We're an hour in, so I can say this. Are we Ethan's a little high on his own supply right now with, <laughs> <laughs> with all of the Virginia momentum that there is. So we might need to cool it a little bit, but we can bring him in. This you is know. why I was able to renounce all fandom, in particular the Virginia fandom I grew up upon. It's become like Ethan's out there. He's got that corner covered. Yeah, I don't have to, worry. Yeah, don't have to yeah. worry about it anymore. That corner is protected. But mm-hmm. thank you to you as always, Jay. Thank you to our dear friend Daniel Westoff as well for the and any job he does day in day out making all of our content possible you're not going to hear all the sneezing the coughing that's because he's the best at what he does so thank you to him with all of that said for the fantastic john j parsons our super producer daniel westoff and all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin jay what do we say hey great shot and we will see you all later this week thanks everyone